Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Songwriting Saves the World. Before we jump into the episode, we want to say that if you're listening on Spotify, you can like it and download the episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or that whole shebang, you can like and comment and download and follow, I think, even. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, you can like and follow and comment as well. And make sure to follow us on social media. Yes. On Instagram, our username is at Songwriting Saves the World. Follow. On Twitter, it's at Song Saves World. Song Saves World. And uh, like our page on Facebook. Get your parents to like it. Aunts and uncles. I know they're on there. I know they're on Saves there. The world. And if you really, really like what you hear when we get into the episode, you can um, become a patron on our Patreon for $4 a month. You get extra content from the guests and from us including special messages and song breakdowns. Oh, and a laptop sticker. Songwriting Saves the World laptop sticker. They're super cute. They're pink. They're beautiful. So yeah, it's just at Songwriting Saves the World on Patreon. Now, without further ado, let's jump into another episode of Songwriting Saves the World with special guest, Overcoats. Overcoats. Okay, well, welcome back to another episode of Songwriting Saves the World. Today we have Overcoats, <laughs> a duo, a band, legends, both of them. <laughs> we have a little bio for you. Overcoats is a New York-based electronic pop duo. Their first album, Young, was released in 2017, and their most recent album, The Fight, came out this year in 2020. And they're both brilliant, both albums. Thank you and so much. Ladies, so thank you for yeah, coming on. Excited to have Excited you. to be here. We like to play a little <laughs> introductory right to our tank game. It's like an icebreaker. And it's the musical version of F. Mary Kill. Yeah. So you can write with an Love artist. That. Mm -hmm. You can tour with one. And then one you tank. Like a carnival festival game. You throw the ball and they fall into a water tank. So the three okay. options are Claro, yeah. Mia Gladstone, awesome. and Remy Wolf. Mm-hmm. God, oh, <laughs> that's brutal. This is going to be brutal. I okay, know. wait. The three are, are right tank. tour. Yes, and writing tank? is strictly writing, and okay. touring is strictly touring. Yeah, no writing on tour. Yeah, and you can both give your answers, or you can have a meeting and have your combined answer, whatever you want. This is savage. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> dunk anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, were these artists chosen like? Especially for us. Yes. Because <laughs> we love Had all to of be. these yeah. artists. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this, they know what they're doing this to us. the research. <laughs> okay. I think... Okay. For, for right, Hannah, mm -hmm. I think... I think I would either want to write with Remy or Clara. I think Clara for me. Mm. Okay. So... For me, mm -hmm. so I agree. Okay, so Claro, we're going to write with Claro. Claro, you hear that? Putting it out there. She listens to this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Putting it out in the world. Tour, probably. God, that's tough. It's funny because dunk, we, we, to tank we tried to tour with both of them. Yeah, we did. Well, you know what? We say it now, <laughs> and then it's just going to manifest. Wait, which it, both and of them? That's going to happen. Yeah. Well, for our tour yeah. that didn't end up happening, we were talking to both of them about mm -hmm. coming on the tour. Mm. Remy, Remy and Clara. Remy and Mia oh, wow. Gladstone. That's so cool. 
Remy and Mia. Oh my god, so cool. I've been listening to Remy so, so much. <laughs> it's crazy. I love just like every day. Um, okay, I feel like her her vibe is really like fun and upbeat. So I think she'd be the mm-hmm. one to tour with. But that yeah, means we'd have to tour. tank Maybe Mia. Think it's funny. Think of a nice fun day at the <gasps> carnival. And then that's, she's like, you that's know true. She, like she has a good sense of she might have a good sense of humor yeah, about it. Everyone laughs. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Hannah's 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 okay. not sold. She might want to. I just date. feel so she bad about tanking Mia because I love Mia. It's <laughs> tough. Okay, I'm Hannah's okay gonna this. tank Remy. Hannah's gonna tank Remy, and I'm gonna tank Mia. I can't tank, tank Remy. I no, feel you like can't. it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you spread it out, if you both yeah. pick different people to tank, it's yeah. not as bad, right? Because yeah. okay, as JJ, a group, you I'm love gonna, both of them. I'm going to write with Quero <laughs> and tour with Mia, and you're going to write with Remy and tour with Mia. Wait, what? I'm just so trying lost. to make sure everyone's right. It's a loophole. Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> this is smart. The perks of being in a duo is that we each get our you own guys, answer. You actually yeah. win the game. There you yeah. go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tank There's Hannah. There's so much thought going into this. <laughs> I feel like that's happened all <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Okay. I Thank feel like you. good answers. I feel like... We give you tough ones. We know, yeah. like all those ladies. Are I feel awesome, like we were so. really diplomatic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, like this is the opposite yeah. of the like a lot of thought. Instagram thing that's going around right now, where people like are like challenge accepted. This is the opposite. Oh, it's no. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't think no, of that. That's exactly we love supporting women here on the we, podcast. And don't we even overcoats <laughs> love supporting women, but. I'm yeah, honestly, yeah. if someone could explain to me <laughs> the black and white photo that is empowering women, like, I'd love to understand how yeah. that works. Right. I don't know. I don't have, I'm like, I don't have any black and yeah. white photo. I like got, someone was like, post one. I was like, I yeah, don't have it. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. How do I? St- I'm only in <laughs> color. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean I can't That's be so empowered? Funny. Can I not? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's really funny. But yeah, we support all these ladies. Same right toward tank. Tanked or not. All positivity. We still okay. love you. Tanked, tanked or not. You know, tank is just a game. We still love you. So can you guys start with like a background of your musical journey and how you got here? Our journey. So we met our first day of freshman year of college which was almost a decade ago whoa Uh, big anniversary yeah we're gonna have to do like our what do you get when you've been married for 10 years like you get oh it's like tin wood or yeah like paper yeah i don't know we're coming up on our 10 year no (laughs) no anniversary um thank you yeah so we met our first day we we didn't immediately start making music together. Mm -hmm. Um, That sort of came from our friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, We did 
quite soon after we met, we started singing covers together in harmony um, and discovered that we loved a lot of the same mm. songs and a lot of the same artists and had sort of grown up with the same canon of musical history. Um, yeah. Basically, the band formerly known as the Dixie Chicks, <laughs> now the Chicks. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of Amy Winehouse, mm. um, things like that. And so we, we did start singing together quite early on, but we never tried writing um, mm. from scratch together until about four years into our friendship oh. um, in wow. our final year of college. Yeah. Um, and I, it's sort of become like, I don't know what is ac like historically accurate of the story, but <laughs> I think Hannah came over to my dorm my apartment on campus and said like and was going through a breakup and was mm. like I need I, I have this like song idea do you want to try to work on it together mm -hmm. and so we we sat in my room and wrote uh, Little Memory which was the first mm. song that we ever mm. released um, yeah and then um, that that actually made it onto our first full-length album, mm -hmm. um, which came out a couple years later. So that was that was the beginning, and, yeah. and we loved it so much. Like we we loved the process of writing our own harmonies and mm -hmm. coming up with lyrics together. And I just remember us like writing a line, basically in bed, and then uh -huh. just like falling backwards because we <laughs> were so stunned by like how pretty it was. And that Aww. that was the beginning. That's so that great. The so you guys, the end. it's like a scene started, in a movie. <laughs> started writing together yeah. when you were like seniors in college. But did you write individually before that, or was that each of you like first experiences writing music? We had both written a bit, but um, not in a way that was like super outward facing good. or good. <laughs> mm. Like we both kind of dabbled that, yeah. in in songwriting, but it was definitely like a in your room alone diary kind of thing. We did like a bit of performing, yeah. but nothing to the extent of what we ended up doing as Oracles. So what's the writing process yeah, like between both cool. of you together? Right now or normally? Both, <laughs> I guess. Ooh, both. Both. Um, Gotta adapt to the times. Sometimes, well, usually it's like um, either we'll sit down and write a song from start to finish. Um, mm -hmm. or we will send back and forth like little nuggets and we're doing a lot of that right now. Yeah. We are in New York, so we can, um, we can hang a bit, but, um, not as Bob much life. as, as <laughs> how much music we're making all the time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it's like yeah. sending, um, an idea and then JJ adds to it and adds some keyboard and mm -hmm. then I put some drums and add a chorus and then she had. So it's like a lot of passing it back and forth. And we actually yeah. really like writing that way because um, sometimes when you're really like in your own head about a, the direction for a song, somebody mm -hmm. who's a bit outside of it can hear it and interpret it in a totally different way and bring a new energy Very to it. True. So that's a big yeah. part of our writing process, like letting the songs really change over time as we're writing. I like that. Yeah. So you're like sending logic projects or something back and forth? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like doing that because I feel like it's different. It's one thing to sit down, like you said, and write something completely start to finish in one sitting. But I feel like often like having maybe just like coming back to it the next day, like if you're not in quarantine, you just want to come back to it the next day or like just doing something over a long period of time can really help with like the mm-hmm. refining of it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And and things that you're writing might take on new meaning as mm. your life changes and things evolve. And then you come back and you're like, I have the second verse for this yeah. song yeah. that was about this thing, but now has a totally new meaning. So that's fun too. Yeah, that's um, so cool. I also feel like there's, I don't know if this is just like writing in rooms with like professional producers or songwriters <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But we got we got into that a little bit for our second record. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there was a lot of pressure in the room. Mm. And that pressure actually made me less able to kind of like think yeah. and and throw ideas out because I was so worried about what other people were going to think of, like, the melody that was in my head and, mm. or, like, are those words stupid because they rhyme or because they don't rhyme or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, writing remotely and giving yourself the space to do that is, like, has taken away a lot of pressure and yeah. and has, I think, also, like, meant that we can write in different ways like I there's a song we're working on right now that has like kind of like a spoken Mm. part Mm, and like in a studio it would never be like I think it should be (laughs) this spoken Spoken, word (laughs) moment like never I would never say that in front of people but like being able to try it out and be like okay it's kind of cool like let me send this to Hannah see if she likes it it, I'm talking about the um the beginning of the Radiohead guitar melody that's like opening up, oh, opening yeah, yeah, yeah. up is all yeah, we yeah, have. Yeah. And it, um, cool. and like <laughs> it's very like LCD uh-huh. sound system, yeah. but like never in a million years would I stand up in a room full of men and be like, I think it should be like this, and and like speak in a deep voice into the mic. Like, just it's allowing for an exploration yeah. that maybe wasn't so clear cut like yeah i love that studio so true it's yeah there's like something really special about like writing just like in a space that's really comfortable because it is like what you're willing to like try is different and so often like cool ideas come from doing something that's like odd or like experimental like i feel like i often say the more like talking about kind of how many people are in a room when you're writing like the fewer people the more specific the perspective can be because mm-hmm. you're only trying to, it's like, okay, if there's just you two, you only have to do something that two people can get on, like, the same page with. But, like, doing something really weird when there's, like, five people there is harder. Yeah. <laughs> when um, you both sing in your song, so what's your process for, like, vocal arrangements? And where do you sing together? Where do you put harmony and how you, like, use both of your voices to elevate the songs? Um, I don't think we have a process, really. I think it's... We try to just be really intuitive about it. Um, and, like, if a part feels like it needs ooze, then we put some ooze in. Um, right. We, um, these days, will often, like, each of us sing both harmony parts. It, we used to do a lot more of, like, mm-hmm. one track of each of us, mm-hmm. and like this, but we're doing more stuff where there's kind of more, like, layered vocals right now. Yeah. Um, 
we we do sometimes try to like make sure like someone's not always singing high or always singing low Mm -hmm. Um, but besides mainly nowadays for touring purposes because we realized (laughs) after we had written our first album that hannah had all of the high parts and and i used to lose my voice like she would tour. lose her voice. Oh, no. And we were like, why is Hannah keep losing her voice? And then we realized like, she's singing it. like in the stratosphere <laughs> for every minute of every concert. And so we had to we had split to it up. That. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so yeah, yeah, besides kind of like more practical things like that, we don't really do it by a system. We try to just like see what the song wants. Fair. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I think there's also, um, I... We we're doing this less nowadays. Maybe we'll we'll bring it back. But for the first record, we definitely tried to play with um, creating harmony parts that were not just a third above yeah, each other. That's tough. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Like your mind automatically wants yeah. to just sing like a third for sure. Um, but but also having each part kind of interwoven so at the beginning of the verse Hannah's part would be high Mm -hmm. and mine would be low and then they would swap yeah so halfway through a line you don't realize that we've traded parts kind of and we did that a lot on our first album less so on our second Mm -hmm. album but maybe maybe we'll bring it back that's super cool so you're like consciously thinking about the the harmony parts and what yeah I like that I always wonder that with with um duos or like bands where there's multiple people multiple people singing because like sometimes like when there's two voices that are both prominent like it can be like hard to like make that be something that is helpful but I feel like one thing I really like about you guys is that it feels like such an integral part of it and I feel like both of your voices really like lift up any song that you have Mm -hmm. and so yeah I wanted to ask about that because I think it's cool yeah I think that's really sweet I think that um the way we try to make it work is we just think about ourselves in harmony, like those two voices mm-hmm. as one voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not, there's a few areas on like the fight where it's meant to sound like gang vocals or a bunch of us singing. Yeah. For the most part, we want our two voices to kind of be heard as a singular um, voice and a singular melody. Um, yeah. And so it's important definitely. for us to find um melodies and things that fit together in a way that feels super tight you guys definitely Mm -hmm. nailed it i think achieved yeah i think you did it masters thanks so that's done Um, (laughs) got that one down you're just going down the checklist yes yes yeah (laughs) so you guys both went to wesleyan together and you didn't study music and a lot of musicians don't go to college. So how do you feel like your time at college informed your careers and your writing, if it did at all? That's a great question. We always wonder that. And <laughs> I don't know if there's a way to know, like, how it would have been if we didn't go to college. But mm-hmm. I do think it was important that we went uh, because we wouldn't have met otherwise. Yeah, in the stars. Part um, of the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I do definitely appreciate the fact that both of us were very like committed and um, worked very hard at what we were each doing for four years and for Hannah Mm -hmm. that was um, a lot of 
philosophy of religion, painting classes, and a a very like diverse range of coursework. Um, And for me, it was history mainly, Mm -hmm. um, and some some visual art as well. But I feel like one one way that it contributed, at least the fact that we we went to college and didn't Mm -hmm. study music, Mm -hmm. meant that we felt a little bit ostracized from some of the more like hardcore musicians on campus. Mm. Um, and that that was very much like a cool kids group. Right. Um, of, of people who were music majors and who like all played in each other's bands yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> and we just weren't part of that. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I think it meant that we felt different and we felt like what we were doing was different. Like we weren't making like kind of jazzy, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I, I felt I felt like there was kind of a monopoly on, on a certain type of music that was happening mm-hmm. on our campus and we had to s- exist outside yeah. of it. And that meant that we were pushing kind of electronics and and we weren't, we weren't particularly good musicians <laughs> because we didn't study it. We didn't, we uh-huh. weren't cra- classically mm-hmm. trained. And so we had to like, <laughs> one example I can think of is how um, neither of us, Hannah's a great guitar player, mm-hmm. but I don't play any instruments. Mm-hmm. And so like, uh, it was just singing at the beginning for me. I was, um, and, and keep I remember, in mind, I was not, I, I, great <laughs> is very sweet of her, but, then it was not anything close to what it is now, and I don't even know how good it is now. So we were limited in our capacity, uh-huh. um, and so um, I just remember rehearsing for one of our first ever shows mm-hmm. on campus, and we spent most of the like hours of rehearsal choreographing our <laughs> dance moves. Um, and then proceeded to like that. play the show to a track yeah. of like pre-recorded music, and that was just like sacrilege to the people on no, campus I, who were like I feel virtuosos, like... <laughs> and they were very angry that we were using the <laughs> rehearsal room <laughs> to do like, like the only place you would play drums in our pajamas. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's um, so awesome. Yeah. though. I feel like. I feel like that makes sense because music and art often comes out of like having to think outside the box or just like being in a situation that's a little different no matter what no matter to what extent or like if that you, that you were feeling like connected be- to each other because of the situation and feeling like you had to push the boundaries of what music was being made in your community. Mm-hmm. I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool. So, your guys' album came out in 2020, obviously you know, difficult year, 2020. How are you like... Class of COVID. Yeah, exactly. How are you like promoting, staying connected with fans and like, what are you doing like for your music and for your album without like touring? Um, so I feel like we had a very busy period where we were like, um, okay, like touring's not happening. We have to mm-hmm. just go for it. And we were doing a bunch of live streams and connecting mm-hmm. with other, other artists and um, putting out, like, new versions of things and a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that all started to feel really futile. 
and then we went like dark for like two months basically <laughs> and just were like so uninspired to do anything because we just yeah, felt like we our lives were over um yeah and then sometime in the past like month we've gotten back on the saddle um mm. and we're working on a bunch of music that will be coming out over the course of the next year um yeah so that will be really um really good but it's hard you know i think mm-hmm. um at first we were we're uh, one thing we did get from college is that we're very like we're hard workers and we're very ambitious mm-hmm. so we were like well not gonna let this stop us and we were doing <laughs> so much stuff but um it's hard to maintain that um that productivity really when things feel so uncertain so um it's been tough, but we've been trying to do things to stay connected mm-hmm. to our fan base, and um, we're now definitely, like, looking to the future in terms of stuff we can be creating, so. Are you guys going to pull a Taylor Swift and release a surprise album? <laughs> I don't think it's out of the question. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I mean, that'd be really fun, but the problem with being – um, not Taylor Swift is that nobody knows that you've released a surprise album. You know, yeah. If you don't tell anyone, yeah. it's tough. Um, but but yeah, I think we're we're definitely feeling that vibe mm-hmm. right now where we're like, it like we just want to be making things and releasing them and like, you know, not sitting on music for two mm-hmm. and a half years and waiting till it's absolutely like perfect and reworking it and having like a million other people like put their t- like we just want to create and release and yeah. so that it might look more more like a a T-swizzle like a T-swizzle love drop, that but yeah T-swizzle I feel <laughs> like people are I love that I mean quarantine is really difficult obviously but it's kind of creating this like spirit like you said of just like not worrying too much just like making and releasing because everyone's at like their limited resources and like limited connection and stuff and people are just making things and it's like okay well you can't really push this you can't go like throw this on people and tour like so just put it out just make and release and I really like that I think it's kind of like making everything a little more like real and a little more casual yeah I think in terms of creativity it's amazing in terms of artists making a living it's that it's not sustainable because making art is expensive, and if people are yeah, consuming yeah. it in the same way, it can't, it's just like, it's, it can't go on like this, so yeah. time will tell how this all shakes out, but for now, we're just doing what yeah. we can do every day, which is work on music. Yeah, I love that people are creating right. more, but I cannot wait for live shows to come back. Yeah, I really do want to go back to shows. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so, it's so weird not having like I mean for obviously for like musicians Mm -hmm. themselves but also everybody who goes to live music yeah like it's just it's so weird do you guys really enjoy touring since we started doing the podcast and we talk about touring with different artists a lot of them are like it's Mm -hmm. exhausting and it's not fun yeah but do you guys like it definitely I definitely realized in in being home for more than six weeks um for the first time in like four years that I was very very tired (laughs) like 
on an existential oh level. <laughs> but I, that being said, I love touring. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice to have a break, like because we wouldn't have had a year of no touring without a global pandemic. Like yeah. there wouldn't be circumstances to give us mm-hmm. that kind of rest that weren't like uh, like externally imposed on yeah. us. Yeah, um, I think it's definitely exhausting, um, particularly like obviously for your body. Like when you get mm-hmm. home from tour, you are just like not wiped out for yeah like three weeks. Fat and like. But Congrats. yes, but also like I think what I realized too with now being in one place for a while, I say this, but I've been I've been like traveling so much between <laughs> New York and my family. But anyway, like uh-huh. just being kind of more stable, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I definitely see like what it can do to you mentally of just this always like kind of just like your fight or flight is always on because you're just like always on to the next thing and it's mm-hmm. it's we had to I at least feel like I really had to learn to sit still this quarantine because I'm so used mm. to being able to have yeah so much stimuli and travel all the time mm-hmm. um so it's we love yeah I think that we are we're definitely on the spectrum towards loving touring but it definitely <laughs> is very exhausting your body still needs yeah. a break you're like I love it but just need to rest. Yeah. Everyone needs a break. Yeah. Yeah. Our last tour that we went on was just like the most fun thing ever. So I have a really good taste in my mouth <laughs> from that. Well, hopefully you'll get back to it soon. Yeah, we went out with a bang before sure COVID. So at least <laughs> at least we have that. Well, we really love the name Overcoats and wanted to know how you guys mm-hmm. came to that name for your duo. It's been a while since we got asked that. <laughs> But it's a nice it's a nice question to kind of think back on our on our early days of figuring out what to call our project. Mm-hmm. Um, we again, it's like now ten not ten five years ago. So like, who knows what actually happened? Right. But we think that um, we were we wanted a name that was like androgynous mm-hmm. um, and that would kind of act as like a a shield um like a coat of armor mm-hmm. um so you don't really know what you're about to hear like you could be about to hear four four guys from <laughs> liverpool play hard rock yeah like, with the name overcoats uh-huh. um or or it's two girls from the northeast you right know, singing folk folk right. pop um and and we wanted that kind of like we we wanted that lack of definition mm. so that whatever we want to make can can have its like layer of protection um and then part of what inspired us was this um print um by an artist named Egon Sheila Mm -hmm. um and so there there was a a print or a painting that he did Hannah what was it called the brothers the lovers he might be called the lovers It's either the lovers or the brothers, yes. <laughs> which really but, perfectly um, describes our band, <laughs> our relationship. <laughs> Try to keep them guessing: are we brothers or lovers? Um, but anyways, and and that print is is like one one figure has like a big overcoat mm. on, and the other figure is sort of like nestled in the coat, like in mm-hmm. the safety of of the other's arm, 
And so we really liked that imagery and like what it said about like solidarity and protection and yeah, either being brothers or lovers or both. I love um, that. And so that was that was definitely um, that was definitely somehow related. So poetic. The title the title of this episode should be Overcoats Brothers and or <laughs> Lovers. Yeah. Perfect. Oh my god. I love origin stories. So that's a great one. Yeah. Another <laughs> one down the list. I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's funny looking back on like how ideas came to be because it's just like trying to remember what was floating around my head at that point in time. I was just thinking about things that aren't always like. I think it was our last episode of Lim before that we were talking about um, the song that we just released with our band, and Slash was like, and this is how mm-hmm. it came to be. And I was like, oh, that was not. And that's I was telling not the story, and she's like, that's not true. <laughs> We all have our memories. Yeah. Oh, my God. I guess Hannah and I have just collectively agreed that s- something happened. You're both like, yep. That's what we say in interviews. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Be wild if I, like, change the story. After, like, You're I'm like, um, actually, yeah. that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not what happened. I also, like, I have, I have yet to do this, but I have, like, 16 mm-hmm. journals mm. that I've written in since, like, probably since when we started as a band yeah. and I've never read through them, but it, the answers might be in there. The truth you might know? be in the journal. I can't read my journals. Revealed. They're so cringy. No. <laughs> I understand that. Hannah, you're, you're talking about one journal from when you were six and you were like, are we rich? <laughs> I have a pool. <laughs> well, you got to figure it out when you're that age. You're like, where am yeah. I? What's going on? <laughs> That's so funny. No, it's very daunting to think of reading one's own diary. Kind of fun. Hannah, you grew up in D.C., but spent time in Jamaica, Uganda, and Belize. That's correct. According to Wikipedia. Yeah, it is. And and JJ, you were born in London, but grew up in New York, England, and Egypt. Correct. So cool. You're each allowed... Three places. <laughs> Three places. <laughs> Honestly, that's more than that's more than traveling than a lot of people do. So, <laughs> do you true. think it's that true. that like being part of all those different environments growing up influenced your music, your taste, your style, anything like that, or like your perspective that you bring to music now? Yeah, we've we've talked, talked about this a lot. I definitely think it did. I think that both of us um, kind of felt wanderers or explorers Mm. in some way um, from all of the travel that we had done, which was for the most part due to our parents' jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I definitely think it it made us um, kind of had a curiosity about um, other people and and a desire to connect with people, Mm -hmm. not just in our communities. Um, And it's made um, touring really wonderful because mm-hmm. we're both used to adapting to new environments and talking to people that aren't from our worlds so yeah I think it's um it's definitely been a part of how we can do what we do sonically I think it's starting to maybe influence us to speak um, through I think that yeah I think that um certain elements of like things that I remember listening mm-hmm. to as like a young child or just like no no artists names because of growing up in other places mm-hmm. like 
it's it's starting to become part of like a palette that mm-hmm. we're listening to. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if on our in our next body of work we are we start to like dabble a little yeah. bit with some of the sounds that we may have become familiar with growing up. But I, I don't I can say that I don't think it has yet okay. made it into yeah. the music. Um, yeah, that's interesting because this is like a little bit of a um off-topic thing but it's kind of related have you guys read outliers the malcolm gladwell book no, I don't know. I haven't. it doesn't I matter really good. it doesn't matter it. but it's really good and it talks a lot about how like people cannot be separated from like where they grew up like how who you are and what you think is your personality and what you like whatever is really really tied to the environments that you've been in And, like, I've been thinking about that being, like, I don't think I, I don't purposely write, like, folky music. Like, like, I don't, like, I don't think, like, oh, this is, like, I'm a folk artist. I'm going to write folky songs. But, like, I'm from, like, rural Massachusetts. Lived there my whole life. And I'm, like, it peeks through. Like, I can't, like, not have that, like, show up and those influences show up. Mm. So I was really curious about, like, you guys with all the places you've lived, like, if you see that in yourselves. I don't know. Just from... That's interesting. I, I I believe that theory yeah. that it's that it does influence you whether you're aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, or it influences you in in terms of wanting to break away from what you yeah. know. But either way yeah. it's influencing yeah. you. I do love reggae, but I think it's best that that doesn't <laughs> <come> out. <laughs> There's some reggae vibes on the Heim album. True. Yeah. Right, that, so that's maybe key. that's next for Overcoats. <laughs> maybe it's coming. Yeah. Actually, JJ, we yeah. have our remix. <laughs> what? The, the, the remix. The... <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, we have like a dub, our dub, our dub reggae remix of the local native mm, song. That's cool. We didn't produce it, but it did end up being a definitely... Definitely, always finds a way. <laughs> Definitely not finds a way. It always finds a way. <laughs> Island. <laughs> I love that. But yeah. I love reggae. Wait, can I hear about your band? Oh my yes. god, definitely. We're in a band together called Dream Kid. And our Kid? first song just came out last Friday. And it's called Grenada. And then our oh EP comes out god. August seventh. Wait, this, this is funny because, because so we are starting a podcast. That's so no cool. way. <laughs> We're like doing the opposite of you guys. Like you had a Wait, podcast. We should this? have you guys Definitely. on our podcast. Oh my God, we would love that. That's so <laughs> funny. Wait, Great. what is your podcast about? So it's, it's um basically it stems from us being like completely and utterly exhausted in the tour mm. van after shows. <laughs> and we used to speak. We used to speak in these voices mm-hmm. um, where everything we would say would have like an <laughs> ooh. Uh-huh. So it was called like Hannah and JJ at noon, but it was pronounced who knew Juju at noon. <laughs> and that was the dawn of when people started telling us that we should start a, start podcast. a podcast. And maybe they were being like sarcastic and mean. No. But we decided that um, we were going to start Hoo Noon and Juju at noon. Um, but we're calling it, um, what's our name? Um, Between Two Bald Girls. Yeah. No. I love that. And it's, it's basically going to be a mixture of um, 
it's like Broad City, the I podcast. I love that show. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's it'll chronicle some of our adventures. Uh-huh. Um, we're going to talk about like new music. We're going to talk to our old drummers. Uh-huh. We're going to tell embarrassing tour stories. Um, so maybe a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> Put people on the hot seat. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love that. Are you happier now? <laughs> Just kidding. But anyway, so that's in the works. And so we should have Dream Kid on our podcast to to bring everything full circle. And it'll be called like Schmong Shrading Shapes. Yeah. Songwriting Shaves the World. That's so funny. That's so exciting. So you guys have been described by making folktronic music, which I think is fair and a cool name because I've never heard that before. Yeah, Folktronic. So how do you guys go about collaborating with producers outside of, obviously, the two of you and then keeping the sound true to your duo? Um, It's hard. I think for for all of our albums, um, we've worked with, like, the same people for the whole project. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's one or two people that are that have their hands in every song but mm-hmm. on um this most recent record the fight there were some songs that had like additional production from other people or were written with other people um i think the way we make it work is we we just make a lot of songs mm-hmm. and a lot of music and then the process of making an album is kind of like wh- like whittling down the choices yeah. to the songs that um, feel like they make the most sense as a story mm-hmm. and as a body of work. Um, but it definitely happens that we'll like make something with someone and it just doesn't sound like overcoats mm-hmm. and we have to kind of um, reboot it. But um, it's tough. I think I think also um, I think folktronic is is definitely still. Um, applicable to like the way we write because mm-hmm. the melodies and the harmonies are very folk based but we are doing a lot of stuff on our computers yeah but i also think um as we continue as musicians and artists like the aesthetics that we are into change a lot mm-hmm. and, and so i i don't even know like by album three or album four if, like the same genre names will make sense for the yeah. music yeah. um so I think it's, like, we just try to keep, as you said, like, about how um, if there's less people in a room, it can be mm-hmm. more intimate. Like, it's got to, everything's got to be, like, okayed and approved by JJ and I. Yeah. And so, like, we make a lot of stuff and people have their hands in it that we, at the end of the day, decide, like, okay, what what makes the most sense? What feels yeah. like overcoats? What does an overcoat song sound like? Yeah. That makes sense. And... Finding a finding a producer or a couple of producers who are really on the same mm. page as you about what you want things to sound like. Like a lot of our demos are are pretty mm. rudimentary, and so we have to rely on <laughs> trusting professional uh, yeah. producers to kind of flesh things out with us. Um, we try to give like a a pretty solid idea of like the energy and some of the sonics but like the demos that we're making in our homes are not like what gets released Mm -hmm. out into the world Mm -hmm. usually um except for cherry wine (laughs) (laughs) um but 
but I think that it's really important that you vibe with like producers on a personal yeah. level and also on like a musical level because like you're trusting them your with babies your, your baby yeah you're writing your babies <laughs> you like you um you often have to like leave them to their own devices to you know yeah mix things and 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 like you have to you have to really trust them and that process for us took a long yeah. time for the second album because we were like okay these songs like they need a particular mix of like rock but also mm -hmm. folk and electronics but not too many electronics and they've got to blend in with the and so it we like interviewed a whole mm -hmm. load of producers we were like gonna make it with this one guy and then on our final day of like this mm -hmm. trip to LA to kind of like get a get an idea of yeah. who was out there and who wanted to make the record our final afternoon before we were going to the airport we met the guy who no ended up way. producing the record and we were like this man is a <laughs> lunatic and he must make That's the album so, cool. so he did and um and and i and i know now that like choosing anybody else would yeah. have been wrong and would have made a totally different record i mean record. yeah because people um, can um like align with your genre or know what you're going for but no matter what like like you were saying, like, if someone has their hands in the project, like, they're going to be making choices and leaving some of their perspective on it, too. So it's important to, like, have someone that you're, like, I love your perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, totally. you're going to, yeah. like, shift. The, to, like, this is overcoat. It's got to be, like, overcoat style. But, like, whatever you're going to bring to it, I really like. I think it's always yeah. interesting okay. speaking to producers when you don't know much about production because you're, like, I need more energy. I need more and I, I can't mm. tell you how. <laughs> But it just, it, that's what it needs. I'm like, yeah, we spent a lot of the process of our first album speaking in that way. And mm -hmm. being like, make it like airier yeah. or like rainier. <laughs> and it was kind of like impossible. It's definitely been helpful to learn more as we've gone on because um, it just goes a lot faster. Yeah. And you can be like, can you side chain this mm -hmm. and then EQ it so there's no low end in it? That's so like funny that you say that the like the weird language that like 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 a songwriter who doesn't really if you don't know how to communicate in producer terms would talk because I have a friend who's a producer who says that like he went to Berkeley and they had classes for the producers there where they would like give them a word give them a word that's like like a non-producer language word and then like they would like make a song that is purple like make a song that is light make a song like just these like weird descriptors so they could try to like learn how to interpret people translate but, i mean it's yeah. hard because everyone means something that's else when they say this everyone just needs to mean the middle yeah <laughs> but yeah that's yeah. so funny Okay, guys, yeah. thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you. This is awesome. Thank you. Really thank you. Good We're super fun. excited for your new project, including yeah. the podcast. Yeah. We'll oh, have thank you. Guys you. Yeah. would love that. <laughs> Awesomeness. Okay. Welcome, welcome back. back for Song of the Week and Woman of the Week. I feel like I know mm. what you're going to pick, Anik. Well, I know what album it's coming off of, because what else could it be? <laughs> I want to see if you can guess which one it's going to be. Oh. Jeez. Um, oh, you told me your top three. Invisible String? No. Is that yours? No. I thought that might be yours. Wait, I think we picked the same one. 
Did you pick peace? Yep. I did too. <laughs> okay, well, we can both talk about it. Well, we, we both, both <laughs> have the same song of the week, and it's Peace by Taylor Swift. Yeah, this song is, it got me. It got me from the first listen. Yeah, the first, like, literally as soon as the song started, I was like, this is going to be my favorite off the album. For context, if anyone is listening to this in, like, 2030 or something, it is four days, I think, now after Taylor Swift's surprise album Folklore dropped currently, if life. we're giving you context. You know, yeah, it really changed the lives of a lot of us, and particularly Peace, the song Peace. Um, I was just going to say, I, like, um, upon first listen, I was like, this is weirdly Joni Mitchell, this is weirdly Sam Smith, mm-hmm. like, the line where she goes, would it be enough if I could never give you peace? I was like, if I heard, I can hear Sam Smith saying that. Same. And then also the the part where she says, your integrity makes me seem small. You paint dreamscapes on the wall. I talk shit with my friends. It's like I'm wasting your honor. Not only is that just like a concept I haven't really heard talk about, like I'm wasting your honor is so beautiful mm-hmm. and so like specific and the just the melody for you paint dreamscapes on the wall. That felt very Joni Mitchell, yeah. like reminiscent to me, which I liked. And wow, the song really just like, I was like, damn, Taylor Swift. Every single line, every single melody, just everything about that song is just perfect. I love it. And it's such like love, a beautiful love, love song. Yeah, and it's a very, I heard a lot of people saying when I was reading about it that it's like a more mature love song Mm -hmm. because it's not like it's just i love you i love you i love you it like you can see her growth and you can see like her perspective on relationships and it's just like it's so loving and also heavy yeah in what she's talking about and i just mm, i really like it i really like it a lot (laughs) i love to um the part where she and it's like closer to the end the melody it's like the silence that comes when two people that only comes when two people understand each other family that i chose now that i see your brother as my brother and i'm like (sighs) oh i love that song me too okay that's so funny we picked that it's funny because what i I thought you were gonna pick is what you thought i was gonna pick and then we both picked the same thing yeah i mean i do also love invisible string and i was i texted this to anik and rachel Faulkner to our group chat but I was like I know that's like a love song but I also am in love with you guys so <laughs> it I feel like that song feels like how I feel about them the feeling it feels so many times because she goes isn't it so pretty to think isn't it just so pretty to think that all along there was some invisible string tying you to tying me to you tying you to me I yeah. don't know which one she said tying you to me but I'm like that's how I feel about you, you same know? the feeling is mutual yeah, when you meet really, like, important people, and then you're like, wow, my whole journey in my life somehow brought me here, and it somehow brought all of us here, and that there must have been some invisible string. Anyway, moving on from that sap fest, I can who's your woman of the week? Just, <laughs> what's funny is that I can't remember if it was either Hannah or JJ, but one of them actually mentioned my woman of the week. No way. Yeah, I was like, wow, Amy Winehouse. That was yeah. JJ said that. I was that like, "Oh my god, that's so funny." I was like, "That is literally who I'm saying at the end of this that's episode." That's a great one. Amy Winehouse is a legend, and I'm sure everyone knows legend. who she is. What's really interesting is that I always feel like she was from a different time. Like it was a completely different era, but she was like, "Yeah," was fully at the Grammys, and like Taylor Swift was standing like right there, and I was like, 
I feel like I also think that too because I guess she just her fashion and her vibe were of a different time yeah everything about her just seems like such an old soul and like I'm like I need to stop saying like so much but it's just insane to oh, me. I that realize that when I come, when I listen to the podcast oh and I edit it, and I'm like, 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 like. <laughs> every two seconds. <laughs> but yeah, so um, Amy Winehouse is my woman of the week. I love her so much. It's funny too because she worked with um Mark Ronson. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing that I'm like, wow, you really just it wasn't that long ago. I love Mark Ronson. Me too. Yeah, he went to Vassar. Yeah. Where my parents went to school, but he only went there for one year. <laughs> I love. Amy Winehouse is a great one. Okay, my woman of the week is Skylar Stone Street. Um, she's a songwriter, hmm. songwriter from LA. She has a really large catalog of stuff she's written. She wrote "Stuck with You" by Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber. Um, "I Don't Give a Fuck" by Dua Lipa. "Older Than I Am" by Lennon Stella. She's written for Haley Steinfeld for Marshmallow. It's interesting. She was in a competition to be the first ever unsigned artist on the cover of Rolling Stone. Hmm. And then she got eighth and then in the competition. And then after that, she wrote a song called Polaroid that became part of Polaroid's, like, new camera campaign at the time. That's so sick. And then she started getting a bunch of songs in TV and stuff. And then she started writing for pop artists. And so she's really cool. That's sick. I actually um, found out who she was from the that organization she used in music. Mm-hmm. Um, their branch, We Are She Writes posts about songwriters a lot that they've worked with or that they just mention when they're talking about statistics of like female to male songwriter ratios and I found her through that and then I looked her up and I was like damn wow what a catalog what a legend so yeah that's my woman of the week Skylar Stone Street great picks great picks thanks for listening enjoy see you next week even in the dark I see your face and end up on my